Well, we have a new member of the Borden family, <laughs> a fuzzy member yes. that you've uh, added to your corral. And so I think you should tell everybody about your newest child because I'm an only child. Yes. So it's a significant thing when there's new members in our family. Yes. Well, I've tried over the years to, uh, uh, you know, purchase and add several brothers for you. This is in relation to what you're asking, our uh, fourth golden retriever. Not at the same time. No, not at the same time in different periods. And then we go through the unfortunate grief of them dying, which is always a consideration when you get another one, but we try not to think about that. (laughs) At any rate, we added a golden door, something new in my vocabulary. It's mixing a golden retriever and a Labrador. This one is three-fourths golden and one-fourth Labrador. His name is Cody. We named him Cody or Cody Cowboy, if you want to put a middle name with it. And we got him at 10 weeks old. He's uh, 14 weeks now. And he's just a delight to the Borden family. I wish the radio audience could see him. We could hold him up. Yeah. We can. We can only talk about him. Well, he is, you know, we could post him on Facebook. We maybe should. Yeah, he's a cutie. Uh... Cody Cutie, he's yeah. uh, he's so soft. Or Cody Cuddly. I got a lot of CCs to go with it. We have a golden retriever ourselves named Buddy, and yes. he's now just about to turn two. And it's amazing how, come in comparison, how soft right. Cody is as a newborn puppy or a few weeks old. And how quickly they grow. Yeah, I really mean, you know, grow fast. They yeah. do. It occurred to me the other day though that if if Cody is essentially your, you know, your direct descendant here as a dog, <laughs> that makes him my brother. Yeah, well, that's what I said. I tried to give you siblings yeah, over the years right. when and, we did have And therefore, he's my kid's uncle. That's right. So he's Uncle Cody. That's right. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> Which, by the way, your kids spent the night uh, this past weekend, and we introduced Cody to him. We waited uh, to make sure we were going to keep him because we didn't want to disappoint them. And they were crazy about they this dog. Cody. And this dog was crazy about them. They they do love that dog. That they snuggy wuggied with him quite a bit and yeah. Yeah. got him out of the crate and took him out and played a uh, retriever with him in the backyard because, you know, retrievers naturally retrieve. And we got him a couple balls the size of his mouth. So they thought that was great. Well, we're continuing to talk about evangelism today, and we wanted to talk it about it from the perspective of how do we preach the gospel through our lives in our professional lives, um, and discuss that a little bit, and maybe some examples from your professional life and my professional life of how we try to live that out. Um, you know, so much I feel like in the world today, so many feel like they need to keep their uh, religion, quote unquote, a secret because they don't want their professional colleagues to feel like they're pushing it on them or Or their light under a bushel to put it scripturally. Right. When in actuality, unfortunately, I think a lot of the time that turns into hiding the light instead of putting it on the lampstand for all to see or, you know, we're called to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Right. And while I think there are legitimate parameters uh, around which we share the gospel um, in the workplace, I do think there's room to be a lot more bold than the average person is in the workplace and not make sure we're not compartmentalizing 
our Christianity and making it just a thing on the weekend or we go to church on Sunday, but we're completely a secular person Monday through Friday in the workplace. Well, I think it's the same thing, like we said last week, to pray for opportunities, particularly if you're in a secular workplace. But as we're going to talk about in a minute, even if you're in a Christian workplace, uh, be aware of people in need or people that maybe think they know Christ or don't know Christ uh, in a secular place for sure. And I think to your point, um, there's so much opposition in the last few years compared to the rest of my lifetime in America where you are considered the enemy as we talked about with Esther a couple uh, podcasts ago, like she, the Jews in Israel were the enemy and they tried to tur- turn King Xerxes against the Jews and we're going to annihilate them. It's kind of like how we are today. We're like the enemy because we stand for truth, we stand for righteousness, we stand for the one true God. And that's trying to be squelched by the enemy, of course, operating through people that you that are listening to us are around. And so therefore, we have to be bolder than that. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's not always easy and we don't want to say, you know, act like it is. No. Um, because again, especially if you have leadership, um, that are not Christians and have no appreciation for your Christianity, um, you know, it can take a real step of boldness to, you know, make it known in the workplace. Well, and you can be fired. Actually, you can be fired today if you're caught, quote unquote, proselyting people. That's why it'd be nice to believe that there was something so different about our walk that people would come to you right. and say, what do you have? What, where's your peace? Or right. what, what do you have that I don't have? Because once somebody asks you, yep. then, you know, that's a different horse of a different color. Right? Well, a big thing that I think you can do so that that's the case is you can ask them if you can share with them, yeah. you know, if, if they were to ask you a question like, well, how do you, how would you handle this? Yeah. Instead of just saying, well, I'm, you know, um, well, that would be a, case of them asking you. So I think that would probably work with where you could be like, well, actually I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to think and pray about this and really, uh, you know, ask, ask the Lord for wisdom that might, you know, that plants a seed right there. Oh, this person has a whole totally different process. Yeah. Again, if you go ahead. I I had, I have a boss, uh, who's a believer and he's had people, um, situations where, uh, people have asked him a question of, well, how do you, how do you deal with this situation? Or how, maybe how did you get to where you are today? You know, in other words, how are you successful in this area or in your career or in this role? And he says, well, do you really want to know? Yeah. And they said, they would say, you know, anybody pretty much would say, well, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Are you sure? Because yeah. I'm really going to tell you that the answer. Right. Um, and they say, well, yeah, tell me. He may even say it has to do with my faith. I, I can't remember if he says that or not, but he asks back to them, do you really want to know? Make sure he gets permission, consent. consent. Yeah. And then he tells them, well, you know, it's, I, I, whatever, you know, give it to God. I pray through it. I've, the Lord has really brought me to this place. How, whatever, however that answer goes. Um, and at that point they've invited you in. Yeah. Right. Because we're allowed to share our story. Sure. Our values. Mm-hmm. are what 
makes our life propel forward. Nobody can stop you right. from sharing your truth, particularly if it's invited in, if you want to make an extra caveat to make sure you're not stepping on anybody's toes or being construed that you're cramming something down somebody's throat. It's much easier than we think. And I think, again, it starts with awareness and just praying for opportunities because the Holy Spirit and the Lord wants to help that connection take place. No doubt about that. I know? think the bigger opposition really is is not the workplace or the quote-unquote legality or whatever. I think the bigger opposition is, again, what we said last week, we have to get over the hump of being afraid of rejection yeah. and being worried that people are going to think we're weird or we're one of those quote unquote, if we do share our faith, I think that's really the bigger, you know, uh, hill to overcome for most. And yeah. if we, if that's not an issue and we've asked the Lord for boldness and we've overcome that, then I think finding ways to plant seeds that, you know, don't get us fired <laughs> is, is the easier, uh, challenge. There's, there's no doubt about it, though, and I know you agree that they've tried to add the the persecutors of the day or the liberal left, however you want to call it, um, has tried to add an element of fear and punishment. If you speak, sure. if you just the, if you just do the Constitution and have freedom of speech or right. follow the Constitution, yep. that if you're not on their side, you know whatever the issue is, we can name several, that you're not allowed to speak about it. That's, of course, a lie from the pit of hell and a lie about the Constitution just in general. But but you're right. I think that the boldness starts out, or lack thereof, from people fearing rejection because mm-hmm. yep. there's been so much rejection. And then if you want to add to it, well, oh my gosh, what if I get fired or whatever? And, you know, there might be some standing today for getting fired right. or whatever. I mean, <laughs> honestly, if what if that was the result of us standing up for our faith, that would be worthwhile. Rather than being thrown to the lions, you mean it well, could just, be a no, lot no, worse. Just, well, the, exactly. Yeah. But, I, but I'm saying getting fired really should not be the litmus test on whether or not we share the truth. Because Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and preach the gospel unless you get fired for it. Right. <laughs> Right. right. And but I'm just saying in America you didn't have to worry about that. True. In most of the decades before now. Right. And then they've called it a hate crime to be I mean they're trying to construe Christianity as racism like being another culture like mm-hmm. African American which is so much of a lie too. Right. Um and it's not a hate crime. We know it's a love uh opportunity mm-hmm. to introduce them to Christ, but if they can construe it like that and get you blamed for it. And some people have lost their jobs, their churches, yep. whatever. Right. I'm sorry to say, yep. you know. Or been sued yeah. for their stand, and it's happening yeah. more and more. There are great organizations out there if you ever find yourself in that situation where you've taken a stand and you are now facing legal repercussions for it um, or, you know, you've been attacked in some way yeah. for it. Um, there is a great organization um, that's led by Kelly Shackelford. What's the name of it? Can you remember? Can you, um, I'm not forgetting sure. it off the top of my head. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but while you find that, there's also um, the brothers at Regent University, which I can't say that name right off the top of my head. In other words, many professional lawyers are fighting back on behalf. First Liberty. First Liberty, okay, mm-hmm. of Christians. You know what the one is at Regent? No, I don't know that one. You can okay. look up that one. Okay. But yeah, First Liberty is located uh, located here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we are. And they, we've heard Kelly Shackelford speak on multiple occasions. And what they do is they essentially 
request, or I think they probably have lawyers coming to them on their own asking to be involved, but they'll volunteer their time, lawyers will, to fight cases to, to represent people whose religious freedom has been threatened. Um, and therefore, they're uh, an organization that's, I believe they're nonprofit, and so you can contribute to help pay the way for those cases to be defended, but they're winning and defending all kinds of amazing religious liberty battles for people that are standing up for their faith and getting a backlash for it. Yeah, this is called the Center for Global Justice at Regent University. I think there's another name I was thinking of, but anyway, that'll take you to it if you looked at Regent University. And uh, basically it says, has stepped forward to equip Christian advocates to promote the rule of law and seek justice for the world's downtrodden, the poor, oppressed, and enslaved, which includes sometimes us as Christians. Um, So, yeah, that's a really good point. There is um, nonprofit help where people donate because, you know, the one thing that people think of, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be sued because I don't have the thousands or maybe millions of dollars it takes, like somebody that's wealthy. But you do have organizations that donators provide that money, and they want to set a precedent because unfortunately, uh, right now, things are run in our society by the last court ruling rather than a law. You know, if like Roe v. Wade that's just been turned over, that was done in the 60s. And because they said that abortion there was legal, then it became legal for the whole country because of that last court case rather than Congress saying, establishing a law. You know, Congress establishes a law, the Supreme Court or that uh, they interpret the law, and the president executes the law. That's the way it's supposed to be in the balance of powers, but it's gotten muddied in our lifetime. Yeah. And so anyway, that's a good point. There is help, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. So in the workplace, uh, one of my favorite ways to share my faith uh, is something that I saw modeled uh, by somebody who I greatly respect um, and what they would do is when they were having a meal with people in a, in a business setting, so not necessarily people who are believers, maybe you don't even know what their faith stance is, but because typically, I, I know, I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners do this, but we, before we eat, would give thanks to the Lord and pray before our meal, right? Yeah. Um, I am not willing to give that up just because I'm in the presence of somebody yeah. who doesn't believe. Good point. I, I believe that's a, that would be a compromising of my faith to not freely exercise what I would normally do if they weren't sitting across from me. So I saw this modeled and I thought, wow, this is that is awesome. Historically, what I would do before I saw this modeled is I may just bow my head and pray silently to myself, which in and of itself. Uh, could be a witness if someone sees what you're doing, but they also might think you're fainting <laughs> or that something's wrong, right? Yeah, right. Uh, so what uh, what I had done historically is at times I would say, excuse me, or I would just say, um, yeah, I don't know what I would say. But when I saw it modeled openly where someone would, would actually ask the person across from them, Hey, I'm going to bless the food. I'm going to give thanks for the food. Would would you like to join me in doing that? Almost 99.9% of the time, people will not refuse that. And again, you've asked for their permission, right? right? 
but it's such a great place to insert a prayer. Yeah. And then you can actually take the opportunity to pray for them. Correct. And, you know, and so I've found that to be a, a tremendous tool, if you want to call it a opportunity when I'm in a, a situation with someone uh, that doesn't know the Lord or that I don't know if they know the Lord to say, I'm going to bless the food. Do you mind, would you, do you mind if I do that? Um, and then they join, you know, or at least listen, yeah. right. They may not be praying or yeah. they may not be agreeing, but they're listening. And, uh, I thought I, when I first saw that, I thought, man, that is awesome. And out of that can come so many opportunities, uh, where people ask later, Hey, I noticed that you prayed, or I remember when you prayed that really ministered to me, or it can spark in them asking you more questions about your faith. Yeah. Has that happened? Can you think of an example where you went from a prayer and they ask you like, why? I mean, I was just thinking the verse Exodus 23, 25, which we learned at uh, Redeeming Love, you know, bless your, there's many versions, but basically it says, um, bless your food and water and the Lord will take sickness from among you. So the bottom line is you're showing that you appreciate the food. You're not taking it for granted. You're blessing it in this day and age. It might keep you from getting ptomaine poisoning. You uh-huh. know, but, but anyway, uh, that does say, you know, you take sickness from among us uh, just in general, not just over your food. So the bottom line is um, it could lead into many different things, but definitely it shows where you stand yeah. with the Lord. And they think about it. If they, they Maybe they don't interrupt the business meeting or the lunch business meeting or whatever yeah. to go into it. But I know they think about it because it is... I mean, I've prayed in a restaurant with a f- with dad or with the family and have somebody come over mm-hmm. and say, wow, that was just really neat to witness your family right. praying. I, I didn't ask, are you a Christian or not? Sure. But it makes uh, imp- an, impact. Imp- an impact. Yes, it does. I'm trying it to does. Say. I yeah. know I, I don't I can't think of a time when someone has necessarily asked me more about it after praying. But um the person who I saw model that previously, uh, who, who happens to be my boss today, um, he had a gentleman approach him later on and ended up being able to really mentor that Amen. man. It's a link a in the chain, right? Yeah. It's a link in the chain. It, it makes an impact. Like it you makes said. an impact. Yeah. Um, so that's an example from my professional life. Um, what about, what about you? Well, I have a little bit different opportunity because I advertise as a Christian psychologist, not a psychologist who is Christian, a Christian psychologist on the radio. And what I mean by that, I usually say, or this is what this means to me, that I'm living out Christianity. If you come to see me as a client, I'm going to include biblical standards and uh, principles and prayer and what I know about all problems begin with a solution when you start with the king and kings and the lord of this universe. Uh, I have them sign a consent to treat, talking about getting permission. My clients sign a consent to treat that I'm coming from a biblical Christian perspective that includes all that I've said, um, and that they want that involvement because, as you know, we believe, and it's true, that we are spirit, we live in a body, and we have a soul. So if you try to uh, counsel somebody that's having a psychological or emotional perspective just from that part of their triune being, 
you're going to leave quite a bit out Mm -hmm. because they have a spiritual being. They have a physical being. Third John 2 says we prosper and we're in health as our soul prospers. So if you consider the soul, the mind, the things, imagines, remembers the will and emotions, if you don't bring that in and under the uh, canopy, so to speak, of Christianity and that we have a real devil that's trying to uh, invade your mind and your thoughts and trying to really come and destroy you, John 10.10, he's come to kill, steal, and destroy, then you don't get the big perspective of what their problem is. You can bring it down to their specific issues. I always say it's the same chorus, different verse, meaning that Satan doesn't have any new strategies. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He'll go after your marriage or your children or your uh, dog or, you know, Mm -hmm. your work cause problems in the uh, workplace he'll bring the past that you haven't resolved uh into the present because it's not the past if it's affecting your present um and do all those things to try to cause you problems in your current life so if you leave all that perspective out from a biblical christian perspective you may help people i mean i have a doctorate in uh, clinical psychology i have skills on how to communicate in marriage or how to deal with anxiety. But when I bring the word in, that's powerful than any two-edged sword, according to uh, Hebrews 4.12, separating the spirit of God from the soul or the fleshly part of man, that's powerful. It's just not positive thoughts. So, therefore, I have the privilege in what I do to attract by the radio show and the podcast and my book, Save But Not Free, which, by the way, you can get at Save But Not Free or Amazon.com, SaveButNotFree.com or Amazon, um, which tells the whole story of if you're wounded and hurt and you're not free, how to get free, how to be healed, how to be delivered from strongholds and how to stay free, which could help you in witnessing. Like you said a few moments ago, you might just be fearful to share your story that somebody will reject you because you've been so rejected in the past. So I have that privilege to help people that are seeking out my counsel after advertising what my theme or mission is, what my vision is, what our vision is, and that's helpful. Uh, uh, Nonetheless, I think we want to talk a little bit about how you think people are Christians. Um, I guess we're going to talk about that in the church like the next time. But sometimes, even in what I do, people come to me because Christians are is so watered down today. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a Christian. Right. Or you can say you're a Christian therapist just because, what, you go to church on Sunday. Yeah. But when I say to people, no, I really bring it into the session. We look to the Holy Spirit for wisdom, for the answer to your problems. We always pray in the session because I'm not the healer. I'm not the deliverer. I'm not the one that can bring you revelation to your problem. I'm just the one that can guide you in that. And if you're not practicing good discipleship principles, how you might have missed that just in life, even as you think you're a Christian. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So that helps a lot. I mean, I have an advantage, I think, in Mm -hmm. that because I don't have to worry, quote unquote, not that we're worried, but I don't have to concern myself right up front, whether they know that it's a Christian message from a Christian biblical perspective or not. Right. So that's nice, right. you know, in that went realm. Yeah, and you've chosen to go out the door that way. Right? Yeah. You've chosen right. to be a Christian psychologist who actually makes the Bible and the, the Lord's leading your source for answers. Which, to your point, a lot of Christian psychologists, counselors, or therapists okay. are afraid to do that. Yeah. Right. 
just like we've said, they're afraid to bring it into the workplace. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even, well, I do know how, because I've been in Christian uh, situations like teaching in a Christian school where they separated. I was actually told, and you know this story, well, that's what we do on Sunday. <laughs> but on Monday, Whoa. we do this. And I'm going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, when Hold we on. are talking about students or dealing with students and stuff. But that is a mentality that when I'm among Christians, like you said, I'm going to walk as a Christian, but on Monday, I'm going to act like my neighbors or my, my work associates, and they can't tell any difference. That's probably what's wrong with evangelism, right? Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that song we sang as kids that said, isn't it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand on Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all, all day, day Sunday? Sunday. Yeah. yeah, right. You it's know, not supposed to be separated, It's right? not. It's supposed to be every day but it comes from being afraid and like we said at the very beginning of this podcast hiding your light under a bushel yeah yeah another really powerful tool i think and to use in the workplace uh is to lead bible studies yeah in the workplace. i like that uh again not forcing anybody to come to them it's yeah. just making an invitation right um and years ago in my uh when i worked in the medical device world we i would have a Bible study with other believers, but we would do it in our cafeteria area mm-hmm. and people would, you know, be walking by. And, mm-hmm. um, I think it just, again, is another opportunity to, to do something unique. And when they see you sitting there with your Bible open, certainly it will make them ask the question or make it known that, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that person was a Christian or I didn't know that, Obviously, they're outward believers, right. you know, and maybe that's um, somebody I can go to for when I have a need. Or, or they whatever. might ask, gee, he has a lot of success. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. <laughs> well, I'm inundated yeah. with problems. Right. Not that we don't have problems, but we have some solutions right. maybe that they don't have, you know. And it gives you an opportunity to pray with your colleagues about work situations uh, the, for those that are believers. Yeah. And gives you a venue to invite others to come if they want to that maybe aren't believers. Um, or maybe that are searching, uh, currently I, um, I'm, I'm blessed to have a team of people that are believers. So I'll say that up front, everybody on my team at this point, all of my, all the people that work for me, my direct reports are believers. So that is helpful to this end, uh, and is an, an enabler to what I'm about to say, which is that I have asked, uh, we basically have a, uh, a time, a devotional time that we do round robin every morning where we basically give a different person the opportunity each day to lead our meetings in prayer. Um, and that person usually just greatly encourages everybody in the group by lifting each of us up in the group and praying for our families and whatever we're dealing with in the workplace as a team or individually. And then that person will bring an encouraging word, whether it's a topical, you know, study or something the Lord's showing them in their life. But I've even invited it to be, hey, if you want to just bring a joke that's funny, you know, that makes us laugh, you know, something that's uplifting. And uh, we've had some powerful times uh, just sharing our hearts with each other and lifting each other's needs up. Um, So, you know, obviously, again, that's harder to do if you have unbelievers in a group like that. But if you do have believers involved in uh, meetings like that, I highly encourage you to incorporate prayer time into those meetings because 
I, I really believe it's a calling that the Lord's given me at this point in time to be able to do that every day. And I've seen members of my group grow in their relationship with the Lord or be encouraged in their relationship with the Lord as a result of those times. Because I'm going to guess even people employed in Christian companies maybe are reticent to yeah. lead out like that. And I like that because I know your life verse is seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I can only imagine when you do that, um, that God honors it because he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And like you said, not only is it for yourself, but it's for your company. It's for each individual. They feel energized, encouraged. They have a place to bring problems because sometimes that doesn't happen in the regular church, quote unquote, right? I had a friend that was in a big corporation and I was pleasantly surprised that it was advertised on email um, through their company that there was going to be a Bible study for anybody that wanted to come. And so I think the point we're making here is we forget, just like people can talk about their liberal values or their anti-biblical or Christian values, we these are values. Mm-hmm. And even in psychology or as with therapists, um, what I always presented, look, if I have a value I'm allowed to present that. Nobody can say that you can't be a Christian or follow biblical standards. You might not be able to proselyte or, you know, like we've said already, force somebody to be evangelized if they're just resistant. But that's usually not the case. I mean, in Texas, we live in the Bible Belt. I mean, most people consider themselves Christians. But even then, um, you know, I think it's important to know that your values, you have an identity and you're, you're allowed to stand for it, and nobody can really take that away from you. They may try, and you might have some legal issues that you might have to face, as we said already, but they will not win mm-hmm. because we have a constitution that gives us freedom of speech, life, right. liberty, freedom of speech, and all that, and in the Bill of Rights, et cetera. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say is to look for opportunities to give God glory for your successes in the workplace. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've had situations where, you know, somebody says, hey, great job with that project or the result that that just came about that you shared, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes it it's harder than others. But to just say, praise the Lord, you know, and, and acknowledge God in the response. Absolutely. Um, sometimes the recipients of those emails are believers. Sometimes it's a group with active believers, but there's also people, someone on there maybe who maybe says they're a believer, but there's not a lot or of evidence external of external that. group that's helped you, it's helped you something like that, right? Well, or, this is internal, okay. but, um, you can feel, I can feel sometimes inside of me, the resistance to that. Be like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, you know, the yeah. internal yeah. conversation in my yeah. head, like, let's just keep this, you know, professional or whatever, you know, which I recognize as again, that's that fear that the enemy tries to bring on us to, Hey, don't step out there too far because you don't want people to be turned off to you and it inhibit your successes. But the Bible says, like you said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It also says that, um, if we acknowledge God, that we will, we will have success in our ways. Um, well, the, what's scripture, the, verse the scripture I'm thinking, thinking about, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I yep. don't know if that's the verse you're thinking of, but in all your ways, acknowledge him Yeah, and he will direct your paths. Correct. Um, that's in Proverbs. I'll find the reference three, here in four, a minute. Five and six. Is that, yeah. Three, trust, that's right. Uh-huh. Trust the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Or another version says he will make your path straight. And so if that's what the Bible says, that is a, I believe, a promise. Yes. You may get some pushback. So yeah. not everybody may uh, accept your praising God for your successes. But God's promise is that when you acknowledge him, he will make your path straight. And that's that's what I want exactly. to have happen in my life. And I'm not saying that I insert that into every response of every single success. But I do think about it when there are accolades and I want to be ready to do that. And I've done that on multiple occasions. Um, and I think it's significant because that, again, it makes people pause and say, Oh, you know, I didn't, uh, think about God in this context. Maybe, you know, well, a couple really foundational principles come to mind. First of all, Proverbs 14, six says a scoffer, which is somebody that takes the credit when they shouldn't, by the very attitude of his heart is deceived to the wisdom that he needs, but knowledge is easy to him being teachable, understands. And the two hardest things to deal with in life is rejection that we've talked about quite a bit. If you're wounded, you'll be fearful to step forward for the kingdom. But also, if you're successful, it's hard sometimes to deal with praise because we're supposed to deflect that glory back to the Lord. And that keeps you humble. It keeps you in a mindset of, yes, I have made some right choices. I've done some things, but without him, I'm nothing. With him, I'm everything. And that's a principle, too. And to your point, at, at the end of every prayer, this was something that the Lord taught me to do. And it just becomes second nature when we get done, when I get done praying for a client. I say, and Lord, we give you all the glory right. for what you have done, what you are doing today in this session and where you, what you're going to do in advance. And that's also a testimony. In other words, I'm not saying because I have a doctoral degree that I have solved your issues. The glory always goes to God. Mm -hmm. And so if you keep those two stances and say, look, I'm not going to be rejected because someone doesn't believe that I believe and make it make me stop. And I'm not going to be um, taking the glory because that's why Satan fell from heaven, as you know, that he wanted to be prideful and take the glory, then that keeps you steady in what you're doing and it is a tremendous witness mm -hmm. to other people about why, yeah. uh, why you're successful. Remembering that all that we do, like you're saying, should be unto the Lord, yes. right? Yes. And that, to me, is a great motivator whenever you feel like you're maybe in the trenches or mm. kind of having the doldrums or the Monday morning blues, so to speak of or Tuesday morning or Tuesday or Wednesday morning <laughs> when you're, when you're, when you maybe don't feel in your flesh, the motivation to want to jump out of bed and go do your job to think, you know what, today is a, a new day. It's a unique day. I will never have this day again. Today I get to do my job as unto the Lord. That can be a real, you know, break you out of the, the doldrums, so to speak. Um, and it's, it's something that I try to, counsel myself with whenever I'm facing a never like have that. this day again. Yep. That is profound. It is. Once it's gone, the opportunities in the day you'll never have again. You, you may have to do some of the same tasks yeah. that you did yesterday or the mm -hmm. day before or the weeks mm -hmm. before, but your interactions and cross sections with people will never again be what right. they're going to be today. And even the routine might be different yeah. if you have that alertness, mm -hmm. right? What right. is different about my routine today? Right where somebody's going to be touched or I'm going to be able to say a word or. And also whatever. if you look backwards from your funeral back, mm -hmm. which is another great perspective. Yeah. maker, 
is to say, okay, I know one day we went out and visited um, Graveside, uh, my wife's mother who passed away 12 years ago uh, this past weekend. But if you, you know, and when we were out there, I was thinking, and I said it, I was like, this is where we're all going to end up, you know, and that's just reality. That's not morbid. Recognizing that you're, um, that, that we all have a finite amount of time on this earth, I think is important. But if you start with the end in mind, and this is a a Stephen Covey principle from Mm -hmm. his book, um, seven habits of highly effective people to start at the end and say, what do I want to be said at my funeral about right. my life. Right. What legacy? It changes your perspective on today because today is an opportunity to build that legacy for what matters, which are things that are eternal and will last forever in the kingdom of God. We thought about that last night about Becky, which is Julie's mother's um, anniversary. How many years has it been this year? Well, 2009. Yeah. So 2009. 12 years. So shout out. Or 13 years. Shout yeah. out to Julie. It's really yeah. hard to lose a mother, no mm-hmm. matter how old you are, it or is. a father. Yeah. You know, those are your mainstays. So um, I'm glad you got an opportunity to do that with your children. Yes, it was. It was. It's. It's great always to remember the legacy that was left mm-hmm. for uh, Julie, and now for our, through for our children. Absolutely. And then obviously, the living legacy that you guys live on our side, on my side. Um, we have some great godly parents and grandparents to take forward and to pass on the baton to our kids of godly living, which is awesome. Well, we hope so. We try but some to. of you out there may be pioneers in that. You may That's be the right. first generation that served the Lord. So um, let's, let's pray today, and I want to lift up everybody who's listening, to not feel condemned if you've never uh, stood up for your faith in the workplace. Today is a new day, and to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the boldness you need, but also help you see the opportunities that m- might come across your path today. And also to pray and vote. Yes. Pray and pray vote for, our nation. for the elections, wherever you are in the world, if you're having them or for sure in America. Pray Amen. and vote. Well, let's pray. Lord, we know that we are in a battle every day to. The, where the gospel is opposed. And yes, we have an opportunity because we know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, to take this treasure we hold in earthen vessels and hold it out to those that don't know you or have never heard of you or don't realize the freedom and the eternity that can be had in you, Jesus, if they'll just submit to you in the free gift you've given us through Jesus dying on the cross and paying for our sins. And all we have to do is accept it and believe on you, accept it and make you Lord and Savior, and we can live forever with you. So Lord, we ask that you would show us opportunities that are in our path today and tomorrow and the rest of this week and ongoing in our lives. Give us creative ideas on how to be a witness to those around us that we interact with every day. Help us to build relationships with people around us so that we are, we have the, the, the rapport with people to share our hearts with them. And, um, Lord, we just, um, choose, we make a choice to be bold and to look for those opportunities, um, going forward because we know the great commission has been given by you, Jesus, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And today is a unique day that we'll never have again. So help us to use it wisely and use it well, for your glory, God, we pray. And uh, Lord, we lift up our nation. Lord, we ask that there would be revival in our land, that there would be change from the top down, Lord. For those that seem like maybe to us, like they would maybe never 
know you, but Lord, you can change hearts. Yes, you can Lord. quicken hearts. You, you changed Jesus. Saul's heart and yes. made him into Paul, Thank you, Lord. Um, who was attacking and killing Christians. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask you to change the hearts and minds of the leaders in our land. Encourage those that already know you to stand for you. And Lord, we pray that there would be revival Thank and that people Jesus. would pray for our nation and vote um, in these November elections that are upcoming and ongoing. Lord, help us to be alert and and um, take action in the elections around us to make a stand for you, Lord Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. You know, Lance, I was just feeling the Holy Spirit was saying to me that one of the ways we can be a witness is just not be a chameleon. We kind of said that. But like if your work associates cuss all the time and you don't, that stands out. And don't become like them just because you're around them to be cool. If your standard is not to use profanity because that's what the word says, how could blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, then just stand. And if they don't, what you'll find usually, I think, is that the people will acclimate to you maybe, and they'll stop cussing, or they'll see you different. But if they don't, let's try to stay and act like we are every day, all the day, rather than becoming like those that are around us, because we feel like we have to fit in. And I think that what the Holy Spirit's saying, it goes back to feeling accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1, 6, whether your colleagues or workplace people or your neighbors or anybody don't accept you, Jesus does. If you stand for that and you get healed if you need to, if you were rejected, then you can stand and be true to yourself, true to the one true God, no matter what situation you're in. So, Lord, we thank you for that thought. I pray that would uh, encourage someone today uh, to be a difference, to make a difference just by being who they are and knowing you and pleasing you rather than their friends or colleagues or supervisors or whatever. And we thank you, Lord, for Everything that's been suggested, we apply it to our own hearts, Lord. We in no way have arrived in any of these things that we're sharing. So we uh, take it to the audience that's listening and we take it back to ourselves so we can brighten the corner where we are and change the world for Christ going into all the world and preaching the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for joining us today on the Totally Transformed podcast. Come back next time as we conclude this series uh, on evangelism and having a lifestyle of evangelism. Mm -hmm.